ECU, do you breathe purple and gold? Are you ready to hoist the colors? Now, time for the most in-depth look at the world of ECU athletics. Welcome in to Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. Watch the show live on Facebook and at 94.3thegame.com. Now, here's your host, Stephen Igo. All right, welcome in. Hoist the Colors on this Monday, February 19th edition of the program. We're going to be talking a lot of Pirate baseball because the ECU baseball team went 3-0 and starting the season with a clean sweep. We've got our chat coming up with Cliff Goblin. In the second half of the show, we will do that. Patrick Johnson and I talked to him this morning. We'll play that. Shout out to ECU basketball. They win their third in a row. For the first time in program history, ECU athletics as a whole going 14-2 and this past weekend. So, great time to be a Pirate. And we got uh, we got a Pirate in studio. Cam Clonch is back. He couldn't get enough. Cam, how's it going, man? It's going good. Uh, really good weekend for the Pirates uh, across all athletics. I got a chance to go to the basketball game Thursday yeah. night. And, Saw you there, man. Uh, they played great and... Um, didn't get to watch the game yesterday, but uh, pulled out a, another conference win. So, and then uh, I hear a lot of a lot of talk about the softball team. They're they're playing great. I don't know if they've lost yet. So they finally lost their first game yesterday, but they're eleven and one. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Uh, best start in program history, and so great week to be a pirate. And uh, hopefully, we can keep this thing rolling. What's it like? I mean, because you guys are obviously all consumed in the baseball season, but uh, just you know, you've been here a, a while now, experiencing the the whole student athlete life, like trying to support other teams. You know, we've seen Deontay Johnson, uh, defensive tackle, supporting you in the jungle. Yeah. So, what's it like, kind of that camaraderie, going to other games, and, and just being a part of the the ECU life and everything? Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, we we don't we don't have a ton of time. Right. Obviously, we practice a ton, and uh, and we play four, sometimes five games a week. But uh, anytime we get a chance to go watch the basketball team, we, we try to go. And then uh, a lot of other sports, they kind of play on the same days right. as us. So, uh, But, man, it's awesome. The the support uh, we, we got for each other. You're talking about uh, Deontay Johnson. He, uh, Me and him have been boys for a while now, I think, going back to the, the dorms freshman year. And, um we go to about every football game that we can, uh, even we're playing in the fall, but try to go watch those guys. We just try to get out and support one another, and, and we have a ton of support uh, for us, too, from other athletes. Cam Clonch <clears throat> is with us in studio today, fresh off a Clonch launch. We talked about it the last time you were uh, you were in here, man, and uh, got got to feel good to get you know home run number one, and I know team goal is more important, obviously. We'll talk about that. But uh, home run number one on open a weekend has to feel pretty good. Yeah, it's uh, the first one is uh, normally the toughest one to get out of the right. way. But, yeah, got a, got a good pitch um, up in the zone, and the wind was helping me a little bit. So get that first one out of the way, and now we can uh, slow down, relax in the box, and try to just do whatever I can to help this team win. So, so 3-0, you got up. You swung 3-0, right? And you fouled it off? Yeah, I swung 3-0. He, he threw me a fastball, but it kind of it kind of cut right. a Hits little bit. Right, it's a movement on it. And, um, and we, we, I knew going up to the plate, uh, he, he didn't throw a lot of a lot of stuff straight. Um, he had some good movement on his fastball and change up. And 
so, yeah, I swung 3-0, and I kind of stepped out, and I was like, that ah, was weird. I thought I was right. going to crush it. And uh, and then the second pitch, I think I fouled it off, too. <clears throat> and then I just knew that uh, if I stayed in the middle of the field, that he really didn't have anything to blow by me, so I was just kind of trying to use the middle of the field and saw a pitch elevated and went and got it, so... And I noticed too. I was down there taking pictures uh, right by the dugout in the first couple innings. And you know, freshman starter, first career start. So y'all don't have any scout, I'm guessing, on this guy who's starting for Ryder. And ton of communication going on. He kind of breezed through the first inning, but I could see all the guys saying, "Hey, here's what this does." How, how important is that when you guys are, are seeing somebody for the first time, communicating and kind of passing that along? Yeah, I mean, it's a huge, uh, it's a huge part of why our lineup is. Um, as good as it is and man those guys that hit at the top of the order they they did a great job all weekend really you know the first weekend you just don't have a ton Mm -hmm. of uh reports on guys you know people make big jumps over the summer and over the fall and the winter so uh those guys at the top of the lineup did a great job communicating all weekend uh but sunday specifically because like you said we didn't have a ton of information we were uh, we were watching Twitter videos oh, really? just to kind of get a look. So, yeah, they did a great job communicating. Uh, and you guys, I mean, really, there's always room for improvement. But, I mean, 30-2, to two, y'all outscore them uh, overall for the three games. 16-2, to 7-0, 7-0. So, from a team perspective, Cam, you know, y'all, I don't think opening weekend could have gone much better. Just how would you kind of assess the, the whole weekend for you guys? Man, there's a uh... – a lot of a lot of great things uh, came out of opening weekend. You get you get the families together for the first time, and uh, the new families get to experience uh, baseball inside Clark LeClaire and and seeing seeing their son run out there on you know wearing the purple and gold is uh, is pretty special. And then uh, we we donated some money. Uh, we hit six homers, so uh, got. Got to donate some money to the Children's Hospital, which is awesome, man. Carter Cunningham, uh, can't say enough good things about him, man. He's one of my best friends. And uh, what he's doing for, <clears throat> man, the whole community is great. And uh, and then, obviously, the Parker Bird moment. I yeah. mean, I'm getting chill bumps talking about it. But uh, that guy, man, he works harder than anybody we have. And to see him... Go up, just walk up to the plate and get the standing O from the crowd. I I don't know if there was a person sitting down in the stadium, and uh, just see that come to light was awesome. And then man, we had a we we got to pitch a bunch of guys and uh, got to play a bunch of different position players and uh, let those new guys get their feet wet and uh, get a chance to play in front of in front of the fans and get to play. Uh, and Clark Claire, so a ton of great things uh, out of the first weekend, and obviously it's good to open up with a sweep, and hopefully we can roll into Bowie's Creek tomorrow night and uh, pick up right where we left off. And Cliff Goblin has said with the the Parker Bird situation, Cam, it's like if you're having a bad day, you show up and you see Parker doing his thing, given what he's gone through. I mean, it, it's kind of amazing. I mean, <clears throat> I, you know, a lot of people cannot handle the situation he's in, and uh, he's obviously done a great job. So what? Just what's it like as a teammate 
if you could like take us back to when that happened, uh, you know, you probably didn't know Parker very well when it happened, but seeing him go through everything he's gone through, and then, you know, not that this is the culmination because he'll get more at bats, he'll get a hit, he'll probably play the field, but uh, just to see all the work he's put in behind the scenes pay off, what's that like as a teammate? Yeah, so I actually met Parker. Uh, we were playing somewhere down in Florida, and this was in high school and. Uh, met him and his dad. We we sat down to eat somewhere. I think it was me and my dad, and met Parker and uh, his dad. So I've known Parker for uh, a good while now. And then my junior year, we played them in the first round of the state playoffs, and okay. he was a freshman uh, that year at Scotland County. So I, we we took a picture after the game, and we've kind of been in touch ever ever since. But um. Yeah, I can't remember who called me, but I think it was Danny Beal and uh, told me what had happened. And man, it was uh, it was crushing to be honest with you, because I knew the the player and the person that uh, P was. And um, but you know, the Lord, He's not going to give uh, anybody a, a battle that they can't fight. And man. Uh, he's. If it happened to anybody else, I don't know how it would be handled. But Parker has been an inspiration to all of us. I mean, like you said, you you go to practice and uh, you see what that guy's doing every day. It's hard to it's hard to not show up and uh, go about your business. So he's he's been an inspiration to us as a team. But man, he's been an inspiration to everybody across the across the world. So. And, you know, we, I was talking with Cliff earlier, and I know he says, like, ignore the noise and all that. You know, social media can be uh, a problem when it comes to that stuff. But, like, to see Parker get the recognition and, you know, ECU baseball be on that platform, too, with Parker. Uh, I was just happy for Parker that it got picked up as much as it should because, you know, you always worry, is this going to be shown in the right light or whatnot? So it just had to be pretty cool to get on social media and see some of the, the reaction, like his parents being shot uh just super emotional, but I thought it was cool that he got all that recognition he deserved. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, social media is a, is a powerful thing, and I think, you know, everybody sharing uh, what what he's gone through and, and him sharing his story, I mean, that's it's not easy to do. Uh, but, man, he's 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 got the platform, and he's he's done a, amazing things with it, so. Cam Clanch with us, and uh, you guys, obviously, we've talked about it. I mean, Cliff has said this is the toughest lineup he has to fill out on a daily basis, and you're a part of that because you can play. Obviously, you can play first. You can play DH. We talked about you could even play some corner outfield. Um, But it's like there's so many guys. I mean, I look at it like there's 15, 16 guys, Cam, that could start. And uh, how how do you as a guy – you get your first start on Sunday, but then you're coming off the bench – you obviously want to make an impression, but you don't want to like press. You don't want to be like, man, this I have to hit and this is a bat. This is my chance. So like, kind of take us through that. Do you just try and relax, treat it as another game because you you want to make an impression, but at the same time, like it's baseball. You know, you could hit the ball hard and it not work out, or you could have a good at bat and not have anything to show for it. So do you try to not to let it? I don't know, get to your head, so to speak. Yeah, uh, I think early in my career, I I was. I was trying to go up there and prove something. I was pressing. I was putting a lot of pressure on myself. And I found myself this fall kind of doing the same thing. And uh, But the main thing for me 
and it's been a huge change is just go up there and relax, play the game, have fun. I mean, I'm 22 years old, and I still get to play a game that I started playing when I was four years old. I mean, um, and I, I know there's a, a lot of people out there that would trade places with me in a heartbeat. So just not taking the moment for granted um, and just enjoying it and have fun. That's that's the biggest thing. I, I try to stress to these younger guys that maybe aren't playing uh, a ton or, or maybe they were in the same situation I was a couple years ago coming off the bench. Um, I, I told Bristol Carter this the other day. I said, uh, <clears throat> I said, man, you, you – need to stay locked in the whole game you never know when your name's going to be called um it could be a 12 run game or it could be a one run game where hey we need you to go in here and steal a base or we need you to go up there and uh get a knock or we need you to go play the outfield and hold it down um in the outfield so and and that's for all the young guys uh there's a ton of guys that are going to play key roles uh, whether it's starting, coming off the bench, playing defense, going in to get a hit. So, yeah, just not making the moment too big, man. It's it's just a game, and the more you can relax and breathe and uh, stay in the present moment, the, the better the outcome is going to be. I feel like watching uh, – I was, again, taking a picture yesterday – I feel like your first baseman's mitt is like the biggest I've seen. Like obviously, first base mitts are big. You know, you want to be yeah. able to catch the ball. Uh, have you? I don't know. Like size wise, is it, it got to be up there? I don't know. Like, have you always used just a massive glove? So <laughs> it's actually a twelve and a quarter. It's it's one of the smaller really? first base mitts you can buy. Maybe it's just the color. I don't know. Well, the way I form my glove, I just I. I widen it out so okay, much maybe that's what it is and uh it's kind of how i've always played with my first basement just right. getting it as wide as i can and it, it does look big i have noticed that on the tv yeah. i'm like dang that thing looks huge maybe it so. is the fact you make it so wide because now that i think about it it's more like yeah it's more the width than the, the yeah. length um yeah so yeah but either way uh just something i noticed uh, all right, Cam Clanch is with us. We're going to get his Daytona 500 uh, preview here on the other side in a, in a second. We talked about all the guys, man, who played this weekend. I mean, nine pitchers out of the bullpen. Nobody uh, threw more than one appearance on the mound, and a ton of good stuff. Uh, playing defense behind them or just watching you know, the game from the dugout, Cam, did any of the, the young arms, new arms, really impress you this weekend? Yeah, I think the first one that jumps out to me – uh, Friday night, <clears throat> I go in the game to play defense, and uh, I see Norby coming to the mound, and he pitches with a tremendous pace. It's not a fun at bat. I think he, I mean, he was pitching with 16 or 17 seconds on the clock, so uh, it's it's real easy to play defense behind him. But man, I thought everybody that came out of the pen this weekend was great. Another one Friday night was. Uh, we call him D'Lo, Jackson DiLorenzo. Um, just kind of a bulldog mentality. Goes up there and um, is, I mean, like I said, he's just a bulldog. Goes right after you. And uh, that was great to see him go out there and in front of a, a record a record crowd for mm-hmm. opening night. And uh, he seized the moment and pitched great. But those two guys on Friday night and then, man, you got Shink, Jaden, um Corey Costello yesterday, and I'm I'm missing some guys, but <clears throat> it's it's easy to play defense with those guys that are filling it up and just attacking hitters. And 
not giving away freebies. All right, he is Cam Clonch. Let's get a break in because he's got class coming up at 1. We'll have to get him out of here pretty soon. And uh, we'll be right back. We'll talk about the week coming up, and we'll discuss also the Daytona 500 and more. This is uh, Hoist the Colors on a Monday. Here there be pirates. Back to Hoist the Colors with Steve and I go. How good is this? On 94.3, the game. All right, welcome back in. Hoist the Colors on this Monday. Cam Clonch is in studio. We've got Cliff Goblin coming up shortly, our uh, conversation with Patrick Johnson and him. Cliff did follow through. He told me when we interviewed him, he said he did not know a starter. He probably just wasn't telling us. He probably knew. Uh, he did not know a starter for uh, Tuesday's game at Campbell. He has since texted in. He says Chris Kaler is starting tomorrow and will be on a pitch count. So uh, he did follow through. Appreciate that, CG. And we were talking uh, off the air, Cam. Man, he works fast. And so if you're playing defense behind him, uh, you, you got to be ready. But uh, I know you're, you guys are excited to see Chris get the start at Campbell. Should be a tough game. Campbell's a, a really good team. We all know that. But uh, you excited to see Chris get a shot tomorrow? Yeah, uh, I think it'll be really good for Chris. Uh, like I was saying earlier, he's, he's my roommate. Uh, so we live together and – uh, he's ready for the moment. He, he's got a lot of experience starting and uh, being in the starting role. So uh, he hopefully goes out there and does his thing tomorrow. And he, he does work very fast. So it's it's a lot it's a lot of fun to play defense behind him. He, he rolls ground balls and um, works with a good pace. So going into a tough one tomorrow night in Bowie's Creek, but uh, we'll be ready to play. And hopefully Chris can give us a good start and. We'll roll from there. Camel's got the turf field. Good facility. You know, I know they put some money into it with the, I think it was the Astros a number of years ago. But uh, how do you feel about playing on baseball on turf fields? Is it just part of it now? Because it feels like every other place y'all go has a turf field. Yeah, I think a lot of the fields, well, now Memphis is turf. In the American, almost I, I every think, team. I think almost every place that we'll go on the road is turf. But... I mean, it's it's fine. It plays a little quicker. Some some turf is actually different though. They'll there's some sticky turf, and then there's some turf that is cut real low, and the ball gets on you quick, especially at third base and first base. Um, but I like. I mean, I, I don't mind playing on turf. You it is what it, it is. Yep. All right, Cam Clunch, NASCAR guy <clears throat> from NASCAR country uh, outside of Charlotte. Philip Pilkington is producing. He is also a NASCAR guy. He's got his William Byron shirt on today. Um, are you? I don't know. Are you? Are you happy that the race got postponed? Are you going to watch it this afternoon? Four thirty is the start time, right? Uh, so, are you, are you excited about watching it this afternoon? Well, or do you have uh, team, we, team stuff? We actually lift at three thirty, so okay. I, I probably would have caught a little bit of the race yesterday. But we have lift at three thirty, and then we have a uh, team dinner tonight. So. I'll probably catch the tail end of the race uh, so when, all, few, when all the good stuff is happening. Need a few wrecks to make sure you catch the end, right? Yeah, yeah there there will be. Yeah. Uh, there will be wrecks if you've ever watched the Daytona 500. Um, it's it's crazy, and whoever makes it through has, has got a chance to win. So, All right, Philip, uh, I'm going to let you all take it away here. Nat, our Daytona preview, a couple minutes. Uh, you, you basically can just repeat your off-air conversation earlier, but – who are you looking for, Cam, as far as this uh, this afternoon? Do you have a favorite uh, as far as, like, guy you think might win the race? 
Well, I think an obvious favorite he's sitting on the pole is Denny Hamlin. I hate to say that, but um, all the Toyota cars will be fast. Uh, and then you got your Hendrick cars that they always draft well. And the Ford's got the horses, so it'll, it'll be a great race, a lot of excitement. There will be a ton of wrecks. And like I said, whoever is – Whoever can escape the, the the mayhem will will have a shot at winning. I think a long shot is Eric Jones. He uh, he seems to step up in big moments, and then his teammate John Hunter Nemechek will be really good. And then I think another sleeper is uh, somebody like Kyle Larson or uh, I don't know. Maybe we'll see William Byron there at the end tonight. Yeah, hopefully. However, it seems like Cam's got a, a pretty consistent there until he brought off Larson and Byron that he's high on the Toyotas. They like to hang out in the back early in this race and let all the mayhem get everybody else caught caught up in it, and they're always there at the end. But uh, I like Brad Kozlowski in this one, seven-time Super Speedway winner, most among active drivers. He has won at Daytona back in 2016 in the summer race. He won a duel two years ago. It's the only race he's won as part of RFK Racing. I think he's due for a win this year. Uh, that's my gut feeling. We talked a little bit about Kyle Busch as well. This will be his 20th uh, time running the Daytona 500, so it'll be interesting to see what he does. And, hey, Dale Earnhardt, 20 years of trying, 20 years of pain, and he finally won the 98 Daytona 500. So, you know, who knows? It'll be fun, and uh, I'm kind of with you there, Cam. Though those, those Toyota guys will find a way to be there at the end, and Denny's always a favorite. And uh, we were talking, Cam, so do you have a favorite driver? You were saying, what, Ross Chastain maybe a little bit? <clears throat> yeah, I, I don't really have a, a favorite. Uh, back in the day, I loved, uh, obviously, Dale Earnhardt Jr., and – but I would say I really like Ross Chastain, um, Chase Elliott, Kyle Larson. I watch I watch uh, Kyle Larson's YouTube video, and uh, he does a bunch of dirt racing and stuff like that. So, and I also watch Kyle Busch's little kid race all the time on YouTube. But yeah, I would say Ross Chastain. I like Christopher Bell. Um, just a couple guys. See, you, if Ross wins, the watermelon man wins. The watermelon man. Then the next time you hit a home run, you need to smash a watermelon cam. <laughs> hey, hey, if they if they had not done away with the props rule, maybe you could. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. I uh, I guess you could take it into the old uh, what do y'all call it? The mud room. Yeah, we the, we call it the party room okay. during games. Uh, there's some lights that flicker in there, and uh, you got to watch your toes in that place. The yeah, it's when I small, hit, right? Yeah, it's 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 tight in there. So. Did you get stepped on? Yeah, I got stepped on, but no worries. We're no worries. all good. All good. All right, Cam, we'll get you out of here, man, because I know you got places to be, but uh, congrats on the season opening sweep. I would ask you about UNC, but I know you are focused on one game at a time, so we'll get to that uh, maybe after Tuesday's game in Bowie's Creek. But appreciate it, man, and uh, best of luck this coming week. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. Absolutely. There is Cam Clonch, ECU first baseman. We'll get a break in. We'll come back. We will talk to head coach Cliff Godwin. Patrick Johnson and I met with them earlier this morning over Zoom. We'll play that interview and more. This is Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. Back to Hoist the Colors with Stephen Igo. On 94.3 The Game. We are talking pirate baseball. Cliff Godwin, the opening series over the weekend, a sweep of Ryder, and uh, Coach Godwin joins us uh, here to talk about it. Uh, Steve and I go from uh, Hoist the Colors, Patrick Johnson, and, of course, 10th-year uh, pirate baseball coach 
Cliff Godwin. Uh, Coach, congratulations. Really, uh, really uh, just solid weekend. Uh, the pitching was, was certainly there. Lots of opportunities for, for some of the new arms. And then, uh, obviously, uh, the bats uh, did their job. So uh, assess the first series of the uh, weekend for or the uh, season for us from this past weekend. I think our guys did a really good job. Um, you know, I thought we pitched really great um, all weekend. Um, only giving up two runs the entire weekend. I thought we played great defense. I think we only had one error for the entire weekend. And then I thought our offense was really good. Um, you know, I think it was 16, 7, 7. So um, anytime you can score five or more runs, that's impressive. Um, gives us a good opportunity to win the game. So overall, very pleased. And, and we're able to get a lot of guys um, in the games this weekend, which is something that we got to continue to do just because we're, Deep, and that's a good problem to have, but just getting guys out there so, um, you know, if somebody gets injured, we can have guys ready to go. Uh, and as you say, it's a long season, so you really never know when you're, you're going to need uh, some of those guys to be game ready, and I know a lot of them are. Getting uh, the, the younger guys opportunities, getting uh, the freshman arms some opportunities, you kind of alluded to it there, but do you have to be selective in that process, or do you feel like this group is uh, certain ones are ready and you can just kind of throw them out in any situation? Well, I think some guys are definitely more ready than others. I mean, I thought uh, Ethan Norby did a good job on Friday. I thought D'Lo did a good job on Friday. Corey Costello, uh, when you're specifically talking about freshmen, did a good job um, yesterday. Mm-hmm. So, and then we were able to get a bunch of freshman position players out there. Bristol, you know, probably played the most, but um, he did a really good job. Colby Wallace got out there and did a good job. Walker Barron, you know, had an at bat and. Um, some others that I'm missing, but I thought everybody that was called upon did what they were supposed to do. Coach, when you look at your your depth and your options, and you've kind of touched on a little bit as far as just how tough it is to make up a lineup, specifically like that kind of DH, first base, corner outfield spots. Like Day-to-day, is that kind of the toughest spot for you to, to decide who's going to play? It is. You know, um, you know, I just, you got guys like Cam Clonch, Chaz Myers, Colby Wallace, um, and others, Bristol Carter, you know, starting out on the bench. I mean, they're really good players and, um, you're just having to navigate it and trying to put guys in the best roles, but you're always trying to put your best team out there to give your team an opportunity to win on any given day. But then we can utilize the bench at a high level, which is amazing. It just makes, the managing part a lot harder, which, as I've told Nowak, it, it, that you guys are making it hard on me, which is that's a good thing. Yeah, I know you you, you said you texted, uh, I believe, Nowak. Uh, do you try and give guys maybe a heads up the night before, or is it more of a kind of take us through that process on, hey, you're going to be in the line tomorrow? Is it more of a game day decision for you? Well, normally it would probably be more game day decision, but we didn't have any video on the freshman pitcher that started for Ryder yesterday, so we knew he was right-handed. But literally there was no video whatsoever on him because he hadn't thrown a pitch in collegiate baseball yet. So um, I did know that I, I was going to play Clonch at first base, and uh, we were going to put Cunningham out and left so Nowak would slide to the DH spot. So I let Nowak know that um, Saturday night, and, of course, his response was, hey, Coach, I'll do whatever the team needs. And that uh, very heartfelt message, you know, coming to the head coach is is pretty special. And uh, that's when I said, hey, man, you guys are making it really hard on me. And uh, that's a good thing. 
We discussed it a little bit after the game, Cliff, but Jacob Jenkins Cowart getting off to the start he got off to. And, and specifically, obviously the pull side power is great, but when he's going backside like that, gap power, just does that kind of show how much he's locked in early on in the season? Yeah, I think any hitter when they're hitting the ball um, in the entire field, it just shows that they're dialed in. When guys are one-dimensional and pulling baseball, it just makes them more susceptible to be pitched, you know, tougher and, um, you'll get yourself out a lot, but JC did a great job using the entire field, had a couple doubles the other way, and obviously a couple home runs. We're talking uh, Pirate Baseball, Cliff Godwin, Coach. Uh, also, Dixon Williams off to a, uh, a hot start. When you look at kind of everything that he has gone through, we talked about it here in these talks with you recently that, uh, you know, it just seems like he's got a lot of, a lot on him being the, the local, uh, you know, hometown kid. Uh, how do you think he responded and has played in the preseason, but also here in this uh, opening weekend? I thought he played great. I mean, probably better than what we anticipated, to be honest with you. That's not that we don't think Dixon's a great player, but, you know, I grabbed him um, probably on game day and just said, hey, man, like you've earned this. Don't put any external pressure on yourself. Uh, he had two starts last year. Uh, one at Old mm-hmm. Dominion late in the season because Starling's back, and he actually played good. Um, I don't think he had a hit, but he had a walk and lined out one time and made the plays at second base. Well, then the next weekend we played at home, and he looked nervous, and he struck out three times against Memphis, and we only struck out three times as a team that day, and he just didn't look like himself. So I wanted to make sure he wasn't putting any external pressure on himself because he's earned the starting role at third base and to just go out there and have fun. And, man, he uh, – exceeded my expectations this weekend just because he looked like he was playing in a inner squad in the preseason and playing at a high level and having a lot of fun doing it. When you have that conversation with him, and that's that's just one of, I have to imagine, many that you and Coach Palumbo and all the staff have had with him, what are some of the things that you have told him? Because you, you know what it's like. I mean, if you're an Eastern North Carolina kid playing in this baseball program, I mean, especially now, that – that carries a lot of weight, I have to imagine. So is it is it a – do you think maybe him going away playing in the summer too, maybe, you know, eased some of that, gave him a little bit of more belief, not that he was lacking, but just, you know, kind of relaxed him a little bit maybe? I think there's a lot of things. I think definitely the summer helps. You get to go out and play, and there's not a lot of pressure, and you get to perform, and he performed at a high level. But I also think it's a year in our program. I mean, it's just hard for freshmen to get on the field at our place because the game's older. You know, everybody talks about the transfer portal. Well, it's made the game older, so it's harder for freshmen to go out there and do it. And I think kids are a lot more comfortable in our program once they've been through it after one year. So um, I think it was a lot of things that go into it. But Dixon's worked really hard, not just on his physical uh, ability, playing defense, hitting, base running, all those things, it's on the mental side of things. And I think that was the piece that he was missing the most last year was just the focus, the consistency of showing up, going to practice every day. And um, he's done he's done a great job of that this year. Coach, I want to hit a little bit more on the, the pitching from this past weekend. And it seemed like Trey Savage maybe didn't have his best stuff, yet you look at the numbers, uh, eight strikeouts, two walks, one hit allowed, uh, four innings. Early in the season, obviously you're not going to push him, but so deep. Just how would you assess, you know, Trey's first out of the year? I thought he had good stuff, especially early. I thought he was probably a little amped up, and his fastball command wasn't great, um, which 
he's able to navigate it because he has other pitches. His off-speed pitches were good. and um, But I thought he was a little bit erratic with his fastball. But the thing about Trey, he's always going to manage the game. He's always going to give you a shot to win. And, of course, we didn't want to push his pitch count. Um further than what it was um and we've got you know spivey came he was here this weekend i think saturday he's like hey trey can you stop throwing 50 pitches in the first two innings or whatever it was so spivey was giving him a hard time so um trey knows that and you know he'll be more efficient next out next outing and then zach root and jake hunter both i know worked a lot on off speed kind of Honing in on that this offseason, they both got several swings and misses on their secondary offering. So what what would you kind of make of, you know, going out there against different hitters and their success rate throwing those pitches? I thought Root looked really good. I think it was the third inning, kind of lost, you know, the zone a little bit with some of his pitches. But um, it's good, man. you, you got to be put in those situations. He, he got out of it and, you know, threw whatever, four and a third, four and two-thirds, and he definitely was executing some of his off-speed pitches in the zone. And when he's doing that, he just makes it really tough on hitters. And Hunter as well uh, on Sunday. And uh, what did you kind of make of his performance? And then, two, you guys used nine different pitchers out of the bullpen, uh, but only one appearance from each. So it's kind of an ideal weekend, right, just from a pitching perspective? Yes. Jake, uh, he gave us a quality start. Didn't give up any runs in, in his five innings. Um, as you guys could see, he was uh, – not in the zone enough early. I mean, I think J-Dub throwing the guy out on the hit and run was a big moment in the first inning. We always talk about making a play in the first inning. J-Dub throws the guy out on a hit and run, and that allowed Jake to settle in a little bit. Um, but too many freebies overall, he knows that, and just too many deep counts. Um, and when he's ahead of hitters and he's able to you know, locate his fastball to high level, throw his split for strikes, and then throw it in the dirt, and then his slider cutter, then he makes it really hard on hitters as well. We're talking uh, with Cliff Godwin here. He joins Steve and I go and myself uh, every Monday throughout the season. We really appreciate uh, Coach taking the time with us. All right, uh, I'll, I'll be the one to ask it this week. The midweek uh, starter, Coach, for Campbell on Tuesday. Uh, what, what are you all thinking right now? We haven't made a decision yet. Actually, when uh, I get done with you guys, uh, AK and I will huddle up, and um, I think we got a pretty good idea, but just want to make sure we're on the same page, and then um, we can let you guys know after that. All right. I'll be looking for it. I'm looking for it in my inbox. I'm I'll waiting text, for the text. I'll text Igo. I'll text Igo so he gets it first, you know, like so he can be happy okay. about it. <laughs> okay. Well, I, appreciate I appreciate that, Coach. Doing that. Scoop, uh, scoop I go there, of course. Uh, hey, Cliff, uh, when, when you looked at, uh, the crowd, uh, you know, all weekend, but especially opening day, I mean, one of the biggest crowds, uh, in the country for opening day. I mean, just awesome stuff, man. It is. And, and I said this after Friday night. I didn't know how big the crowd would be, but I knew it would be big because our preseason scrimmages were, the most people we've ever had at preseason scrimmages. <laughs> right. So I was like, man, hey, it's going to be packed because guys or fans are excited about opening day and the Pirates playing at home. And I, I thought the crowd was great. Um, I still want us as as our players to, to get the emotion going in a positive way to get the crowd into it a little bit more. I think when you get an early lead, sometimes it's just the crowd feels safe, so it, they're not as engaged into it. But – we're going to be playing some tight games here at Clark LeClaire. We need the crowd to be loud. Those purple gold chants going a lot because that's a true home field advantage when our fans are engaged. 
You know, uh, I know you you only look so far ahead. Uh, Campbell is is up next, but then there's this series with UNC coming up this weekend. And I mean, you 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 can't help from our standpoint, but kind of look at look towards that because it's a big deal. We know, we, and we know the media. We know the media wants to hey, right. talk about Carolina. Right. Yeah. yeah. We know that. But 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 oh come on now, not me. All right. Now you're you, so you're barnstorming around the state with it, which I think this is a great idea. And look, because there's more interest in baseball, there's more interest in these shows where people, you know, are maybe hearing uh, you talk about some of the stuff for the first time. In other words, our audience is, is growing. And so you know, I wanted to just have you, you know, this is a great series. I think it's a great concept to play Chapel Hill, Greenville, and somewhere around the state in between. Are, are, you, are you still pretty satisfied with that? I mean, you're going to play in a great park on Saturday down in Fayetteville in the minor league park down there. We're super excited about it. I mean, it's great for college baseball. It's great for the state of North Carolina. I mean, you got two of the best teams in the country going head to head Friday in Chapel Hill, Saturday in Fedville, and then Sunday here in Greenville. So, um, as long as Coach Forbes and I are the head coaches at the respective schools, uh, we're going to continue to do it. We've made a pact. Uh, he's been so gracious, um, to play us. I mean, they don't have to play us, and I appreciate that. And it just, to do it on a weekend series, man, it's been special. Obviously, uh, we started in 2018 with Coach Fox, and then we took a little break. And then when Coach Forbes got hired, we started back up again, and it's been awesome. Coach, we've got to discuss, obviously, the one of the big storylines of the weekend, an awesome moment, Parker Bird um, getting his at-bat on Friday. And emotional time for, for all you guys, I think for everybody in the, in, in the stadium that day. Just what were your emotions when he strolled to the plate and we got to see that unfold? Well, to start with, it was just, you know, trying to get him in the game and figuring out what the opportunity was going to be like, when it was going to be. And um, like I've said a, a lot, you know, I wish I could have told people exactly it was going to happen at opening night, what time it was going to be. But, um it just doesn't work out that way. You just have to, you know, have to see the game play out. And um, once he got to the plate and I heard the crowd, that's when it set in with me of like, man, this is like one of the coolest moments, the coolest moment that I've, I've ever had in my, my coaching career. And I've said this to some of my closest friends, but it'll be the coolest moment that I've ever had in my coaching career when we knock down the door and we play in the College World Series. And um, just because I've seen what Parker's had to go through I've seen what his family's had to go through. Um, man, he has just grinded for almost two years to put himself in a position to get in at bat. The first prosthetic uh, human to ever play in Division One baseball game, like we were talking about in our Bible study this morning, and I was getting chill bumps, man. That is unbelievable what it takes to be able to do that. And, and Parker deserved that moment, and there'll be more moments for Parker and our fans, and I just thought it was awesome. And obviously, Coach, social media at times can be a bad thing, but it, it is great to see that type of story get the recognition it deserves, given everything Parker and his family has been through. And, you know, seeing obviously the media team for uh, the social media team for ECU baseball did a phenomenal job catching his parents and, and their reaction. And that really got to me, Coach. But what did you just make of the way it was picked up nationally? Were you happy to see it, it get that recognition it deserved? Absolutely. Uh, I think Parker's platform. Um, because of what he's been through is the biggest platform of any player that we've ever had here. You know, you think about it, we've had big leaguers here and um, guys that are still playing the big leagues, but Parker Bird has a bigger platform than any of those guys just because people love to see 
the story of where he's come from and how he's had to just had this tenacious attitude of just showing up and getting better every day. And he's an inspiration to so many people. I can't tell you the amount of emails, text messages I've gotten across the country from people I don't even know and just how supportive they are of Parker. And then, you know, of course, he's a person of faith, so he's going to have a huge platform to talk about his faith because if it wasn't his faith, I don't think he would be where he is today. You said after the game Friday, and we played the cut earlier in my show, about um, you know, where you were when you heard the news, when you got the call from uh, that, that Parker had had his accident. And then you said you went out on the paddleboard. Uh, I, I just thought that was what a vulnerable moment to share with everybody. You know, I remember where I was when I heard it. I mean, it's just these, these moments. And uh, just if you don't mind kind of telling that here, because, again, you know, a little bigger, broader audience, because I just think that that's uh, – you give us a hard time. But we know what a good guy you are, Coach G. I know what a good guy. I've known you a long time. I know what a good guy you yeah. are. So I, I know that you're really a heartfelt guy, and I just thought that was an awesome story. Well, I didn't know you were going to try to make me cry today, Patrick, so uh, appreciate that. Um, as Jimmy V says, you know, you need to cry, you need to laugh, you know, in the same day to have a great day. Well, I guess uh, you're getting the crying part, but no, it just, I think Parker's accident happened about 10 days before I take the, the yearly vacation that I take, and the Lafferty's from Ole Miss were coming to the beach, the Tracy's, Chad Tracy's family is going to be down there, and I was really torn about going on vacation um, and Jeff told me I had to go, Jeff Berg. And um, so I go down there, and I'm in constant communication with Jeff pretty much every day and just really worried about Jeff and where his headspace was. And I was actually in my um, my bedroom at our beach place, and he called me and said that they're going to have to amputate Parker's uh, leg. And, man, I just I don't really ever want to go back to that moment because I was – just devastated and I knew Jeff was devastated and I knew Parker was devastated and I just needed some time by myself and so I just told everybody hey look I, I need to get on the paddleboard and I need to paddle off and I just went off to a little quiet spot and I just cried I didn't know what else to do um, and um, you know that was a moment I'll never forget um, but when you see what happened on Friday night you know that God's got a bigger plan for sure and that was so cool for me to just watch him and the emotion and him taking his helmet off and getting a standing O. I mean, really awesome stuff. When he draws ball four, what are you thinking? Man, I mean, to be honest with you, I was hoping the guy throw him a strike because I know how good a hitter Parker is. <laughs> that was the great eye. Like, That's what it was. Yeah, he had a great so, eye. So, yeah. 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 Um, one other thing, and I mean, I, I, you know how great baseball in this community is, Marvin Jarman. And, uh, you know, I, I thought it was great. We had a thing on the telecast for basketball yesterday where we mentioned him. I know there was a moment of silence before basketball. There was one before baseball. Uh, but, you know, when you look at, you know, it's just always Marvin and RV together, and you think Rose. I mean, just, uh, you know, I just wanted to give you a chance. I'm sure – I'm sure you've got some wisdom imparted on you from Marvin over the years, like we all have. Yeah, Marvin was such a just a staple of this community for so long. Back when, you know, I was in high school, everybody knew who Marvin was. I mean, um, if you saw him walking down the street, people pick him up, take him home. 
He's always at Rose Athletic events. Um, and then when he would see me, and I hadn't seen him recently, but he would always ask about my mom and dad. And I don't know how many times he'd ever met my mom and dad. But he would, how's your mom doing? How's your dad doing? Those would be the first two questions. And yeah. I just always thought, like, he doesn't even really know me that well, but he remembers my mom and dad, and he wants to know how they're doing. And that just tells you what type of person he was. And he cared for people at the highest level. So he's a legend. Um, he'll be in every Hall of Fame around here. He should be um, because of what he's meant to this community. Coach, uh, thank you for everything as always. Good stuff. And uh, I look forward to I go forwarding me the text. For, I'll be sure to do the that. Text coming up. Yeah, I can't wait to, to receive it. Hey, uh, Cliff, you know we think you're the best, man. I really appreciate it. And uh, thanks a bunch. And uh, we'll uh, we'll catch up with you soon. Good luck against uh, Campbell tomorrow. All right. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. All right, there is our conversation with Cliff Goblin. By the way, we did get the text. It is Chris Kaler, George Washington transfer, who will start tomorrow's game at Campbell. All right, we got to get a break in. We'll come back. We'll wrap up the show with some basketball talk. This is Hoisted Colors on a Monday. What's happening, man? What's happening? Tell me what's happening. Every ECU fan's one stop for all things ECU athletics. This is Hoist the Colors with Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. Welcome back in. Hoist the Colors been a fun baseball show as we recap the Pirates' sweep over the Ryder Bronx. They start season 3-0, and and again, we'll take on Campbell tomorrow. Enjoy our conversation with Cam Kalanch and also Cliff Goblin. All right. We got to get to our East Coast Agency Pirate of the Week. And this week it is none other than the 1000 point man himself, RJ Felton. It is only fitting, of course, that we give RJ the Pirate of the Week. He becomes the 34th player in program history to reach the 1000 point barometer. Congrats to RJ. Also known as Russell Felton Jr. I was telling Philip earlier that at, he was Russell Felton to me when he committed to East Carolina and then he started to go by RJ once he got here. So congrats to RJ Felton. Man, it's been awesome to see his development and East Coast Agency brings you our Pirate of the Week. Again, East Coast Agency is excited to announce the opening of their Greenville office right here in town. Call Drew Muller at 252. 341 8818. Remember, remember that it doesn't matter who your agent is until it does. Secure your peace of mind with East Coast Agency, your trusted pr- protector against uncertainties in North Carolina, South Carolina, and Virginia, where protection meets peace of mind. We've got you covered. Thanks to Tim Fleet and East Coast Agency. Check them out for all your insurance needs. Pirates get a big win on Sunday over Tulane, 81-67, their third consecutive win in conference play, the first time that has happened since the Pirates entered the league in 2014-15. It was good to see them get over that hump. Third time is the charm. They had the chance to do it earlier this year twice against SMU and USF. Didn't happen. They got it done yesterday afternoon. They have this week off. They'll take on Rice on Saturday. We'll have the Mike Schwartz. Inside Pirate Athletics edition of the show tonight, tiebreaker 6 o'clock. Be sure to tune into that where we'll catch up with Coach Schwartz, maybe some players as well from tiebreakers. Again, at 6 o'clock on 94.3 of the game. We'll get out of here. This is all for a Monday show. We'll see you Tuesday. We'll talk Team Boneyard, and we'll have an interview with Connor Norby. We'll see you then. This has been Hoist the Colors with your host,